Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to connect you with people and resources to remind you that you're not alone. In this episode, number 226, I'm chatting with pastor, author, speaker, Tommy Nelson about how to help a spouse who's dealing with anxiety and depression. Yeah, whenever you go through that, you end up like Job saying, I shouldn't be going through this because I've been doing good. Mm. And all you're aware of when you're in that time is pain. You're not thinking theology, you're thinking pain. And you want God now to be not God, you want him to be a genie. And you want him to take away this pain. And what you have to realize is that God uses time If there weren't time, God would be a genie. He would just rub the Bible and give you what you want. And he isn't. And so you have to be able to know that God is good and to say, why are you in despair, O my soul? Hope in God, for I will again praise him, my Savior and my God. And you, you have to rest in that and know that God in time Right now, he is saying, rest my child, and in time, things will alter. But sometimes we have such a problem of seeing a God who is good and sovereign amidst times that are painful. Mm -hmm. And we have to recognize that they can both be true. And I have to rest in him and just trust him. I don't know if you or a loved one can relate to what Tommy just shared, that pain that causes you to question your theology. Well, I'm thankful for Tommy sharing vulnerably his story here on the podcast today. He's also written about it in a book, Walking on Water When You Feel Like You're Drowning. And he just filmed an event that you can have access to. I'll share about that at the end of the show. It's called The Journey Through Depression and Anxiety. In this episode, he shares his story, but he also talks about how you as a spouse of someone who's going through depression can support them, how to not succumb to their emotional state. And if you have a non-believing spouse, what to do in that situation. And then for all of us to be reminded of that firm foundation on God to be built up before the storms come and not during. And the timing of this episode is on purpose. With the holidays coming up, yes, there's lots of celebrating and joy, but there are also so many walking with a heavy burden of anxiety and depression. And I want to remind us to have eyes to see them and to love them right where they are. So in this episode, Tommy talks about his burnout when he was doing too many things and he encourages us all to seek rest and recreation. And I don't know about you, but this time of year for mom, that feels like a lot is going on. And this last week I had double. My mom was in town, which is great. We were celebrating her good health and grandparents day, but I want to be a good hostess. And then on top of it, my kids were all sick. Well, thankfully, because of this month's sponsor, which yes, I actually use. Some people have asked me that, like, which of your sponsors do you actually use? Okay. I use prep dish and I'd printed out their meal plan and bought all the food. So we had healthy meals all this week, which was awesome. We had this salmon cooked in a pouch and they had a step-by-step guide on how to fold it. We also had a cinnamon apple pork and a stir fry that my husband said, put that on the list. I don't know what list he's talking about, but apparently my future meal list because he liked it that much. If you want to try this out, prep dish, go to prepdish.com forward slash DMA and they're going to give you two weeks free, which this time of year, y'all take advantage of that. Give yourself a little bit of help, a little bit of rest so you can enjoy that family time, which feeds your soul in addition to your body and give yourself a little bit of a break in the area of meal planning. All right, let's get to my chat with Tommy. Here we go. 
Hey, Tommy, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. It's so good to have you here. It is a delight to be here with you, Heather. Looking forward to be a blessing to whoever is out there. Hey, it's so exciting how the interwebs just let this conversation end up where it's supposed to go. I know it. Super cool and all over the world. It's awesome. Privilege to have you too, because I have actually sat under your teaching via a video, right? You never know where your stuff's going to go, right? You never know. Right. Video on what? It was Ecclesiastes. Yeah. With uh, I go to Northwest Bible Church here, uh-huh. and we uh, used it for our Sunday school class a long time ago, but it was memorable. I remember yes. your style and the truth that you brought, and it was really helpful to me, even though I'd grown up in the church and mm-hmm. heard all the things. So thank you for doing what you do and the ministry you do. And and then for this conversation we're going to have today, being bold and sharing your story, your challenges, and being vulnerable in that so that others can be too. So speaking up, let's talk about it. Tell us a little bit about this journey you've personally walked through depression and anxiety. Well, it was about 2006 and uh, I had basically just been focused so completely on building the work at Denton Bible. I was teaching about 13 times a week. Oh my goodness. Uh, I would do four on Sunday and then uh, I would do a single study in Dallas Metro on Monday. And then I would meet, let's see, one, two, three, four times with the young guns, I called them, guys (laughs) I were discipling. Then I'd meet with my staff one afternoon. Then I would meet with uh, three men's studies, two men's studies and a faculty study. Then I would head off on uh, Friday about 10 times a year, and I would go catch a plane to go somewhere and speak uh, three hours that night on the Song of Solomon. Then I would speak three hours that next morning, sign books, talk with folks, catch a plane, go on back. And all that time, you know, you're knocking yourself out with Ambien or something to make sure you sleep and Mm. getting up and hitting the coffee and and heading off. And I was doing it because I love to do it, just making impacts on people through the prolonged teaching of the Word of God. And that's what I like, not not speaking, but mm-hmm. educating. Mm-hmm. And just uh, in 2006, just began to have some symptoms of unable to sleep. My body would be hurting. And uh, long story short, I ended up going into a hospital twice to get try to find out what was wrong. And then just being diagnosed after three physicals that I had just clinical anxiety that I was stuck in fifth gear, almost like being PTSD, that I was just stuck. I'd been running on adrenaline so much that I couldn't quit running. And so I had, I got to where I couldn't read. My mind couldn't stay focused. Uh, I lost 20 pounds and uh, got to where I, I couldn't work out. And I would just put myself to sleep at night hmm. on some kind of uh, something to put me out. And then I would jolt awake in the morning. And uh, go through the day just unable to relax, just always moving, Mm. always hurting. And all I could do was pray and uh, just try to make it through the day. And you don't when when you have something like that, you don't know what it is. It's scary. You don't you can't define it. Mm. It's not something you can put under an X-ray or an MRI. And and finally, I about after about, oh, gosh, must have been two months of this. Uh, my wife talked to my internist and said, you got to do something. And he called a Hindu friend of his that was a psychiatrist, an Indian Hindu that was a psychiatrist. 
and the psychiatrist heard him talk about my symptoms. And he said, oh, he said, he's garden variety. I talk to him every day, seven times a day. I know mm -hmm. who he is. He described my personality. He says he's an A-type personality. And he's been running on adrenaline, and he is fatigued. And the adrenaline produced cortisol. And the cortisol inhibited the serotonin in his brain. And he is just seized up like an engine without oil. And he said he needs to take a particular medication, an SSRI, serotonin-specific reuptake inhibitor, and it will let him build back his serotonin. He said let him use this to sleep. It has the side effects of, of relaxing you from anxiety. And tell him to wait about three to four weeks, and it'll do its work, and it will start lifting. And he was exactly right. And uh, slowly and surely. And then I went to a psychiatrist in Dallas just to understand exactly what it was. And he said, well, I can't tell you any better than the Hindu guy did. What he told you was exactly right. And he said, your schedule is ridiculous. And so he said, you can't just put an end to this and go back to what you were. When you go through these things, they're major life changes. And so you're going to have to change your schedule. You've got four jobs. You're speaking, you're preaching, you're writing, you're traveling, you're doing this. And he said, you can't do that. Hmm. So I gave up everything except preaching on Sunday and teaching a couple of Bible studies. And then, you know, my life slowly slipped into the way it was supposed to be. You always come out of it with a different perspective. You're not the same person coming out than you were coming in. Hmm. But you learn to appreciate real simple things that you never appreciated. And you, you uh, end up protecting your mornings and protecting your evenings and balancing your schedule and knowing how far to push yourself. And some of it may have been, Heather, that I, I was turning in my mid-50s. I'm now mid-60s. And so I think when you get older, there's a lot of things you can't do that you did when you were young. So I'm thinking about even myself watching my husband in the season he's in and building his career. And he's more the entrepreneur businessman. But we had a season, you know, six years ago where I saw him doing the burnout thing, hardly sleeping, working yep. constantly. And then now we're, we're heading into it again. I see it happening again. And he's, he's setting some better boundaries. But as a spouse, it feels like I can only say so much when the depression or anxiety is related to a type A, a working mm -hmm. hard um, situation. Was there anything your wife could have said or done, or did this have to be a self-awakening? You know, I walked right past the barriers my wife gave me. Hmm. She, uh, she would say to me, you're doing too much, and I would just keep doing it. I didn't listen to her. Yeah. James Dobson said the smartest thing he ever did was listen to his wife. James was heading that way, he said, hmm. and he had to stop. And so I began to listen to my wife. My wife is the most unwelcome counselor that I have <laughs> because she knows me and she can see right through me. Yeah. And so she speaks truth. And so I learned not to schedule so much. But you had to realize it for yourself. It wasn't yeah. like as a spouse, there's some magic phrase or <laughs> method right. that would get our husbands or even some husbands listening, their wives might be overdoing it. Yeah. You know? And when you're a when you're a driven man, you, you run past roadblocks. Yeah. And so I did. And so I had to learn to to sit back and listen to my wife. 
and uh, just begin to enjoy evenings of doing nothing, mm. which is the f- best thing you can do sometimes is to let your mind read, to daydream, to enjoy things. You know, I think John Lennon once said that life is the things you do on the way to your dreams. In other words, it's the little things in the crack. It's the drinking good coffee with good friends and sitting with your children and having a meal with your wife and just watching a good movie together. The the recreation times, the recreation times. And with me, my great delight is in reading. And I love, I've been an athlete all my life, so I enjoyed going to the gym and running. And uh, just good coffee with good people. I'm not really a vacationer. I don't like to travel that much. I'm not a real camper. We got two campers that we've never used. Um, (laughs) I'm not really big into it. I just like to go out to uh, where my wife lived at in East Texas and go to her parents' house that we now own and and sit and read and watch the Grit Channel and watch uh, cowboy movies, you know, and enjoy reading church history and uh, good biographies. That's what I like to do. So I had to learn just to realize my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and uh, to not try to to carry quite so much all the time that I did. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with us. And um, I know there are so many different versions of depression and anxiety, and your story is one. Some some people can have events. There can be events that can plunge them. The death of a... uh, Oh, I talked to a woman last night that has dealt with depression ever since her daughter's husband died of cancer early mm. in his life. And she still, at times, that will drag her down. And they have made such advances. And this is one thing that's important when you're a Christian. A lot of Christians want to just white knuckle it. They don't want to take yeah. anything. Yeah. And uh, that's why in a church, you generally can't come out and say what you're struggling with because Christians will get all Bill, Dad, Eliphaz, and Zophar <laughs> on you. <laughs> Those Job's friends? Yeah, and start yeah. telling you, well, you must be in sin for, to have this. Yeah. And then you erroneously are thinking, I shouldn't be having this because I'm not in sin. And mm-hmm. so both of us are wrong. Mm-hmm. That times can hit us in life that God uses to stretch us, and we have to faith our way through that and trust Him and ride that on out. Even, you know, when I went through this and, and came out of it, still, uh, I remember the uh, the psychiatrist I met with. He said, these these medications really level you out and let you play on an even playing field. But he said, no one goes through life without stressful situations. But the the medication helps you once you've been through it to play on a level playing field, that it doesn't become something ugly. And so still, I'm very sensitive. I used not to be, but I'm I'm very sensitive. Uh, oh, I've have, I have a difficult appointment today at about 1.30. I've got to meet with a, a couple that's really in the throes of struggles. And even now, you know, I can be kind of thinking about that. Maybe 25 years ago, I wouldn't have thought that much about it. And it's just we remember what we've been through. And so when you've been through this, a lot of times you're more aware of things than you used to be. Like, I'm really aware of getting my sleep now because that was inability to sleep was ipso facto with going through this. So I always make sure that at about nine o'clock I start getting ready. And by 10 o'clock I go to bed, 1030 Mm. and try to to get my sleep. I I don't quite bounce up at four like I used to. So I have to make sure that I get my sleep and I, and I partition out my day. I don't 
mount and stack three and four things. Today, you're it, me and you. And then uh, I'm forced to have to visit with somebody a little bit later. And it's just a group meeting, so I don't have to chair the meeting. I just get to sit in. But then I'm going to pull back and relax a little bit. Maybe when I was younger, I didn't. And I think churches need to be very aware when they have pastors that are giving incredible emotional energy. They just don't do it on Sunday. They've got to do it all during the week. And you've got to make sure that you don't ride your pastor like a Comanche would his horse (laughs) until he lathers up and then just get him another one. You've got to make sure that he's not cramming his schedule because you can't work eight to five as a pastor. Yeah. You, you might can do it as a mind worker. You might can do it as anything else, but you can't do it as a pastor. When I'm seeing these young pastors, they're not just doing it with their local church or traveling like you were traveling. They're also online doing yeah. video series and webinars and yeah, and the pressure to look good all the time, look happy and good, not just help minister to people, but enjoy right. every second of it. The pressures are even higher, I feel like. You've got to know when to walk away. Social media causes a lot of pressure today, Mm -hmm. uh, social media. So Mm -hmm. I personally cannot work a computer machine. I'm looking at you on this thing. (laughs) Unless they had fixed it up, I could never do it. Uh, You have to leave yourself time to daydream and to create and recreate and talk with yourself and read great books. Eden was a very pensive situation of Adam walking with God in the cool of the day and serving him with his wife. Hmm. Eden means delight. And that's what, that's what delight is, is the simple life. So you mentioned that now that you've experienced depression and anxiety, you, you can't go back and and unsee it. It's changed your perspective and how you see things. So I've gotten a question from someone that talking about even your theology and when they're in the midst of depression, how it changes, maybe how you see God, maybe everything's shiny and bright and God can do everything and he's right here. And then when you're in the midst of depression, feeling like things are so dark and he's so distant and not just a dry season, but like a really long blackout. Yeah. Whenever you go through that, you end up like Job saying, I shouldn't be going through this because I've been doing good. Mm. And all you're aware of when you're in that time is pain. You're not thinking theology. You're thinking pain. And you want God now to be not God. You want him to be a genie and you want him to take away this pain. And what you have to realize is that God uses time. If there weren't time, God would be a genie. He would just rub the Bible and give you what you want. And he isn't. And so You have to be able to know that God is good and to say, why are you in despair? O my soul, hope in God, for I will again praise him, my savior and my God. And you, you have to rest in that and know that God in time right now, he is saying, rest my child. And in time, things will alter. But sometimes we have such a problem of seeing a God who is good and sovereign amidst times that are painful. Mm -hmm. And we have to recognize that they can both be true. And I have to rest in him and just trust him. And not try to say that these things are really bad in my life. Uh, Therefore, God must have withdrawn from me because that's how Job felt. Why are you so far away? And he's not. He's right here. 
when you were going through that season, I know you changed some of the way your schedule was, but was there anything that helped encourage you or bring hope in those prolonged blackouts or where you were feeling that pain? I would just spend time in prayer, just offering my soul to God. And after a while, I got to where I could take what is called a lorazepam. Some people call it, they'll take an Ativan, some people a Xanax. And it gives you immediate relief from anxiety or depression. And during that time, you can really read and store up. You know, if you need to go out with your your family, you can do that. But another thing that helped me was I got a copy of uh, Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Mm -hmm. And myself and Spurgeon became very good friends Mm. during that time. I would read a devotion two or three at night sometimes, just read, because so much of his life was spoken out of pain. Hmm. And so I would just read and and let his experiences, you know, speak to me. And so I read my way through and just waited on him and trusted and waited, which is the hardest thing in the world is yeah. faith plus time hmm. is difficult. That's good. So for the one who's listening and it's their spouse who is uh, depressed or anxious, how do you help them process these feelings of rejection or grieve appropriately to what's been lost in their spouse while at the same time supporting that person? Uh, you don't. I remember one woman saying uh, to her husband, you know, I didn't marry you for this. Right. As if he was supposed to just yank himself out of it. Or uh, you don't want to say, I want my old husband back. You don't say that because he'd like to be back too. Mm. Whenever he sees his wife suffering because of him, it really hurts him. Mm. I said to my wife, I'm so sorry I'm going through this. And she said, we said for the better of the worse. And this is one of the worsters. (laughs) And she said, I'll be right here. And uh, she she went and carried on her life. She did the things that she did. And uh, I uh, would just wait for her at the house. And she would speak truth. You know, when I'd be talking how I felt, she would say, now, Tommy, you know that's not right. Hmm. You know that's not right. And so she could be gruff, but she was always loving. She was always supportive. And then she was always protective to make sure that I never got into that deal again. She would say, you better watch this. You know, my wife was a stalwart. And so the pressure your mate is feeling, you don't want to compound it. Do you think your wife had um, a person or a group of women that she would go to with these thoughts if she couldn't bring them to you? You know, she didn't have as many. She really, the main person she had was her her mother that she she was always in touch with. But uh, when Teresa on the other side of it now, when women are going through difficulties like this, Teresa talks with them now. She has been a real encourager to other women on what to say to their husbands. You know, she could write a chapter of my book on talking to other women on how to help their husbands. Basically, when a husband feels hopeless, that is when you're at your worst place. As long as you know there is light at the end of that tunnel, you're going to be okay. What's something the spouse can say to help point them to that light when they don't see it? You know, we, Teresa would put her arm around me and she would say, God is good. And then I had to say all the time. (laughs) No matter how you said it, you said it. And then she would say all the time, Mm. 
-hmm. and I would say, God is good. And I would pray at different times, you know. And when I would pray, she wouldn't say, oh, you again? No, she would put her arm inside my arm and hold me. I remember one time her just laying on the bed. Whenever I was, I was having to go to the dermatologist and have something cut off. And when you're going through this, you know, you're the whole world's made of salt and mm. you're an open wound. Everything can be painful. Mm. And so I was just kind of freaking out, just thinking, I got to go down there and go in this office. And I remember her just laying on the bed with me and just putting her arms around me. My back was against her and she was kind of, we just spooned there on the bed and she just kind of held me and talked to me and just like a little kid. And we would go for drives and she would drive and my, I would just let my left hand rest on her hip, just knowing that she was there. Hmm. And so she would fuss at me, but in a good way. You know, she'd keep my faith up. Why are you in despair, oh, my soul? Let's just keep resting. Let's keep trusting. Mm. She sounds like a strong woman. Yeah, she really is. She is the strongest woman I've ever known. Mm. So you said she cared for her own heart. She did her own thing. But any other advice for that spouse to care for their own heart so they aren't brought down? Because if you're not as strong, it could pull you both under. Yeah. And she always, my wife and I both made a covenant back in the 1972, 73. Mm-hmm. We would never spend a day out of the word. And so my wife has not missed a quiet time in uh, 45 years. And so she's always, she reads her Bible through every single year, the chronological Bible. She reads it through every year and she knows her Bible and she disciples young ladies twice a week. And she has her ministry. And so if I died, she would grieve for a couple hours and then she'd go on. She'd go <laughs> on. <laughs> no, I don't believe that for a second. Well, that's such helpful advice for those who are walking through this. I know it's hard. And, you know, you are a man of faith. You are a pastor. You are a teacher mm-hmm. of God's word. I have so many listeners who are asking me and sending me questions. What do I do if my husband isn't a spiritual leader? You know, even just in leadership of their family, but I'm imagining if the husband isn't a spiritual leader, isn't grounded in God's word, and then goes through depression, anxiety. Right. What advice do you have in that situation? Well, that may be something that's going to alter him. When you go through anxiety and a depression, I exhort them to go to a competent doctor Mm -hmm. or a psychiatrist because a lot of times there is just, you know, a simple medication that can level their body out. It may take a little while, a few weeks, but it'll level their body out. So I tell them to go. But I think whenever you go through one of these, it is a life-altering thing. Mm. And I have seen it bring couples. I know one couple in our church that is a leader in our pre-marriage ministry. And it was a depression that did it to them, that brought them close. And I know of, uh, oh, another one of our elders, it was a de- uh, anxiety and business that brought him close to God. That a lot of times these massive movements, Job for the rest of his life would saw that, see that period that his life was hyphenated between that period. And so this is the thing that can bring them close to God. Hmm. How do you, as a spouse, besides prayer, which we know is number one, not the last resort. If a spouse is, is just not seeking God, what are, what's our role? 
First Corinthians seven says the unbelieving mate is sanctified by the believing mate. Hmm. And it doesn't matter whether he's an unbeliever or not. If he's living like one, it's the same thing. What the mate has to do is remain poised that she continues in her Christian life just like she would. Number two, that she prays out loud for her mate, that uh, in bed at night for the husband to lay there and she'll say, I'm going to pray for us. And she'll pray for herself. She'll pray for him. She'll pray for the kids. And another thing she needs to do is to make sure that she's carrying on her ministry, that she doesn't shut down her Christian life because of the, the lethargy of this man. Mm. That she's reading, she's growing, she's studying, and she's moving on. Mm. Uh, and then she's just waiting. Because one thing about a non-believing life, it is built upon the sand. You know, when you build upon the sand or upon the rock, you do not see immediate results. It, it looks like both of you uh, are just smart. But whenever the winds hit and the waves come, you got to remember the reason that the other one house stood is because in earlier days, a foundation was laid when there was no storm. And the guy that, that washed away, in earlier days, the foundation was not laid uh, when there was no storm. And so it's not that you one builds a, a foundation. It's when you build that foundation. You, you build it before everything hits. So when I tell high school kids, I said, the, the storms are coming and you can't wait till then to build your foundation. You're done by then. You got to build it right now. And so that wife needs to build her foundation because when it hits, that man is not going to have one and she's got to be there for him, even for her children. Otherwise, your children are unclean, but now they are holy. You got to commit yourself to raising like Timothy's mother with an absentee father, you've got to raise great kids, even if he is not there. I heard a rumor that you are one of four boys. I am. Bob, Tom, Bill, and Jim. <laughs> That's awesome. And where are you in the lineup? I'm two. Okay. Uh, Bob, the first one, he, he, I led him to Christ years ago, and he mm. recommitted his life about oh, 16 years ago almost 20, and Bob and I became best friends. He passed away four years ago from uh, a uh, kind of a lymphoma. But he and I became best friends, and now I've, uh, I've got two younger brothers that are out there, and we, uh, we were all shaped by our mother. Our daddy taught us to laugh, and our mother taught us how to live. Hmm. She taught us well. And did you, was it a Jesus-following home, or did you you said you— Share Christ with your brother. You know, it was Christ was not spoken in our home. It was more of a great. She was an old time Methodist, and it was just kind of a great moral undertone. Mm -hmm. You, if you wanted to learn Bible, you had to go outside of our home. I led my father to Christ just before he died, mm -hmm. and my mother was one that we worked on until she died about four years ago, and she. We all were, would witness to her and talk to her. And her, her life was such, she never cussed, never smoked, never drank. She recognized Jesus and, and prayed on her own. But she was like having a mother like Barbara Stanwyck, if you remember her. <laughs> she was very strong, very inward. She was very quiet. Mm. She was very stern. And so she demanded that all of us would be what we were supposed to be. Mm. And she pushed us. She did not allow uh, the waste of talent. That was the most cardinal sin that you could do was waste your life. Hmm. 
So we all got scholarships. We all went to college. We all took care of her in her life. We took care of her when she died. We took care of her when my father died. And uh, we were all, you know, proud to be her sons. And so she was the greatest shaping influence on my life. Mm. Okay, moms of boys, do you hear that? <laughs> that encourages me. She raised me. us rough. You raise a boy rough. And she she and my father, they raved us rough. Not malicious, but they demanded of us a certain standard. Hmm. And they got it. And they did not spare the rod. <laughs> they were old school. And uh, they made us honor a standard in our life. And everything that we did in sports and everything. And that she taught us that family was everything. We were like the, you know, Wyatt Earp his brothers. We were together. If anybody messed with one brother, the other brother's job was to beat him until an adult stopped him. <laughs> so we, we okay. brothers stuck together and we took care of each other. I have four boys, uh, but I'm not real tough, actually. So <laughs> I probably need to toughen up, I guess. I'm I'm a feeler. So I always want to yeah. talk about the feelings. Well, I never got hugged much. None oh, of us okay. can ever remember getting hugged. Oh, no, but, I'm, uh, I'm all over that. That's... Yeah, well, that's good. I, I'd wondered what I would have been if I'd had a real hugging mother, but we never got touched. In those days, mm, a mothers, yeah, yeah. mothers didn't touch. I never saw my father touch my mother. Interesting. Oh, my goodness. Well, Tommy, thank you for sharing with us today. Uh, I'm going to point everyone to what you just filmed, the journey sure. oh, yes. through depression and anxiety and so if someone listening would like more of your teaching on this and sharing on this they can purchase that streaming license from the hub and share it with a small group or their church whatever license they buy and is there anything you want to say about filming that oh it was a, a joy to do it we did four hours two on friday two on saturday with about 300 people and they were there for business and we talked about every area of uh, depression and anxiety and so you know, they can purchase a license. I know it says TommyNelsonEvents.com, or they can send questions to uh, info at GoToTheHub.com, and they can get a, a streaming license. They can watch it as many times as they want mm -hmm. until uh, December 31st. You can stream the event at any time. I don't even know what a stream is, <laughs> you know, but I'm just saying it's this. It's a river? No. Are <laughs> you, yeah, or you can use a video for personal viewing with a group or at home. Yeah. But it deals with every question you've got to have because there's 40 million Americans that deal with this stuff. Is there, I mean, I know that's a video. Is there a book you've written that you yeah. want to tell them about? I got a buddy named Steve Levitt, and he helped me through what I went through. He, he had gone through it when he lost his wife early. And uh, Steve and I wrote a book called uh, How to Walk on Water When You Think You're Drowning. Mm. And uh, Steve has a ministry called Hope for Life. He's down in uh, New Bronzeville's and uh, his ministry is such that you can call him at Hope for Life uh, ministry and and he he has appointments that he will just talk with people and give them answers for what they're going through. Also, June Hunt has a ministry called Hope Works Counseling and uh, Steve Smith works with her with HopeForTheHeart.com. And so they, the June Hunt, Steve Smith, and um, then their ministries that are in the Frisco area, or I believe it's Frisco, they they have wonderful ministries that you can get quick help. A lot of times, if you need a psychiatrist, it's difficult. You get in sometimes four weeks later, and these guys can get you in now. 
uh, at Hope for Life at Hope Works Counseling, they can get you in and they can help you now on things. But I, I know how it is when you're hurting and can't get any help. And just the common word there, hope. We just need to know that this is not forever. Yeah. And that it's possible that the light is coming. And I just appreciate you uh, also just kind of breaking some of those Christian ideals that we can't seek outside help or medication or other yep. things. So you do them both. You read your Bible, you pray, you walk with God. And then if you got a, uh, allergies, you take Zyrtec, right. you know, and you right. pray through them. Right. So, you know, Paul said to Timothy, use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and frequent ailments. He said, don't guys were saying to him it was sin. He said, no, it's not sin. Mm-hmm. He said, go ahead and take the medicine you need. Paul's best buddy was Luke that he kept with him. A doctor. Mm-hmm. So take what you need. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, and I will link all that in the show notes, y'all. Um, but thank you, Tommy, thank for you. being with us. I really, really appreciate it. I want to pray for those of you listening who are struggling with this. Lord, I come before you, and I lift up the person who's in the depths of depression and anxiety and in that darkness. I pray for the the wife or the husband who's watching their spouse and not knowing how to help and discouraged and without hope, I pray you would be their light. I pray you would be the one who lifts them up when they don't feel like there's any hope for the situation. I pray, Lord, for other people to come around them instead of judging and bringing them down, but to lift them up, strengthen and encourage and comfort through the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for you to take authority in this earth when the enemy is trying to steal and destroy through distraction, through productivity, through consumerism and all the things that are robbing us of the truth of who we are in you. I pray for contentment in our soul places. I pray for true rest. I pray for us to enjoy conversations over coffee this holiday season and time together with family. I pray for you to break the chains of depression and anxiety to set people free. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, a couple things before I sign off. Uh, One, don't you appreciate Tommy Nelson, like that cowboy, tough guy, sharing, you know, some harder things, and then even sharing some of how he grew up. I mean, we worry so much, are we parenting correctly? And to know that his parents did it a completely different way. And even though he's had some bumps in the road and hard things, I mean, we need to give ourselves graves, mom, that we're doing the best that we can. I want to tell you, though, about his journey through depression and anxiety. It was something he filmed a few weeks ago that at a church, and you can have access through it through buying a license, a streaming license. You know, we made jokes about what's a streaming license. Basically, what it means is you get access to what they've already recorded, and you can stream it through whatever device you have. And they have different levels of licensing for individuals or couples or small groups or an entire church. And you have access to those videos. You can watch them as many times as you want until December 31st, 2018, which is coming up. But I wanted to tell you all about it. Go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash depression to get that license. I want to make sure that you connect with that information if you are looking for more. If you 
resonated or you want your husband to listen or maybe he won't listen to this podcast, but maybe he would watch some of that with you. So go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash depression to get more about how access to the journey through depression and anxiety with Tommy Nelson. All right. Thanks, y'all. I pray for your Thanksgiving. I'm going to be posting on Instagram and Facebook other episodes I've done to get you ready for being with family. I did one with Jim and Lynn Jackson after I had driven with all my kids uh, across the country to Alabama for Thanksgiving. And, you know, my encouragement to you, just to give you a little snippet right here, is to have um, maybe a verse that you're memorizing to remind yourself of truth when you start to get frustrated and pulled back into those old habits. I would also have a plan, an escape plan of a place you could go to be by yourself to recenter on what's true. And, you know, in a couple weeks, I'm going to have an episode with Andy Andrew. Uh, We talk about reconciliation with relationships because I'm confident when we're with family and friends in these times, we bump into relationships that we can avoid for a lot of the year. And then if it's close family and we're spending more than 24 hours with them, some issues can come up. We talk about how to reconcile with friends and how to reconcile with family. So that'll come up in a few weeks. Um, And next week's episode is with adorable KJ Perdoma. We're going to talk about personal revival. It's amazing. So stick around for that. All right, y'all. Make sure you tag me if you're listening somewhere. I want to see where you're listening, especially if you're traveling and listening. Um, my Instagram is at Don't Mom Alone, and my Facebook's Don't Mom Alone. I want to see where you're listening. All right. Have a great Thanksgiving. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, While you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.